G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the uh, pre-finals by edition, uh, one of two. I was going to say pre-finals by preview, but how do you preview a by? There's not a lot happening. Uh, anyway, you know the score. We've got a week off before the finals start. Uh, as always, we are proudly brought to you by Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Plenty on the agenda for us, though, still. We have plenty of news to talk about, and we are going to comprehensively uh, review the seasons of all those teams not competing in finals action whose seasons have finished. We're going to do half of them today, and we're going to save half for our regular Sunday show, if that all makes sense. As I say, a very good morning to my Footyology podcast co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shaw? Good morning, Rowan. Good morning, everyone. And just because there's no games, by gee, there's plenty to talk about. And uh, I'm I'm very interested in some of your opinions of the clubs that haven't made it because uh, some have been legitimate reasons and uh, some have had very poor seasons. So looking forward to that. Uh, new coaches on the horizon, a couple already selected, Clarkson moving into the seat at North Melbourne, uh, Kingsley upset the favourite Uze at GWS, and of course, no doubt we're obligated, uh, not because of our connection, but we certainly object to talk about the uh, the um, the goings-on and the, the coaching situation at the Essendon Football Club. Which we will, as you say, a hell of a lot happening uh, given that the regular season has now ended. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into it. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, it's not often uh, we're recording this and massive news breaks right at that second, Robert, but it has now. And I can tell you, it's <laughs> I've just seen it. Um, as reported by afl.com.au. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Essendon. Well, the news as we speak, and that is 9am uh, Wednesday morning, Xavier Campbell has just resigned as Essendon Chief Executive Officer. Uh, reported by Damien Barrett, uh, afl.com.au believes Campbell informed new Essendon President David Burham of his decision on Sunday night that he'll be exiting his post of nine years. And that comes despite a contract extension, uh, which was a subject of much controversy and signed off on by the uh, previous chairman, Paul Brasher, um, earlier this year, and not without a lot of anger and uh, bewilderment by, uh, well, people, including me, I have to say. I don't want to speak for you. But uh, Xavier Campbell now gone, um, I think that had to happen. Uh, I, I was confident it was going to happen after the Barham Group 
took control because Campbell had his wagon hitched pretty firmly to Ben Rutten and to Paul Brasher, the outgoing president. Uh, I've got a few more thoughts on it, but what's your initial reaction to that? Uh, firstly, his performance has been um, quite um, uh, well different at either ends of the spectrum. An outstanding performance in commercial operations coming off the saga and, and to solidify the club's finances. But we are a football club and the criticism of Xavier Campbell has been his control of football, his staff appointments and the fact that uh, the football department in his nine or ten years, the football club has not been successful and and there is always at Essen the murmurings of internal factionization. Uh, is that a word, Rowan? Or internal factions? Yes. And um, staff discontent. And we are seeing that to this day, Rowan. Uh, even the word uh, to- uh, relationships based on toxicity exist. So I don't think Xavier has ever led a calm, united, purposeful and solid united front in the areas of football. And that has come to a head recently, Rowan. He has hitched his, the wagon was hitched to Paul Brescia, to Sean Wellman, to Xavier Campbell, to Josh Marnie and to Ben Rutten. So the way I said, um, the, the anti-Brasher, for want of a better word, anti-Campbell faction at Essendon Football Club and the change of president has has led to uh, the tumbling of the dominoes. Firstly, the president, the coach, and now Xavier. Yep, no, pretty, uh, pretty spot on. Um, I mean, for mine, yes, the financial side of it, he did pretty well to shore up the club in the aftermath of the, um, the supplement scandal. But... Uh, it's the football stuff which the CEO has got to be judged on and making those appointments. And there's just too many that that were seen to fail. A revolving door of football managers, of football department staff, you know, Neil Craig, Mark Neal, uh, who else? Robert Dan, Kerr. Dan Richardson, Dan. Leon, uh, Luke Ball, yeah. um, uh, Rob Kerr, all revolving in, appointed by Xavier and all rotated out. Yeah, so I mean, there's, there w- been, there's been no substance of football um, people and sustainable culture in that football club under Xavier, and, yeah, and that's that's not a personal pot. That's that's there to see, Rowan. The one that got me was you know the premature extension of John Warsfold, and then when they wanted to get rid of Warsfold. Uh, but not lose face. They came up with a clunky joint coaching arrangement and, you know, Rutten effectively anointed as a successor without... There's just too many appointments made by this club without due process, and Campbell has been central to nearly all of them, really. So uh, then there's the... You mentioned the toxic relationships. We reported last week about five senior female employees having left the club in the last eight months, um, look, I, you know, I, I don't mind saying I've had a lot of people who did work and still work at that club contact me over the last 12 months or so and saying, you know, what's going to happen? This this guy's really destabilising the club. And this is very harsh on Xavier Campbell. And I'm sure he had the best intentions 
but the bottom line is results. And um, I think, you, you you know, when they do this external review, it's going to uncover a pretty fractured workplace and certainly football performance, which isn't up to par. It's not results. You, you can't always have a, a great football team. Yeah. But you're sure you should always have a great football club. There's very strong a strong philosophy of mine that you can't win all the time. Someone will beat you, right? But you should always have a good club. And and we haven't had a good club for the reasons that you've alluded to. And 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 as we speak, there are people in our football. Look, the C, the board appoints the CEO to what run the business of the football club. There's two sides to well, there's a few sides. There's the people side, there's the commercial side, and there's the result side. I gave Xavier a big tick for commercial, and I'll leave the other two sides to public opinion, people and football. All right, uh, that's probably enough on that. Uh, as as I said, this is just literally broken as we record this, so there may be more detail that we don't know about yet. Both our phones are running hot at the at the moment, um, but uh, just appreciate as you hear this. This is a, a very hot take on a very big story for the Essendon Football Club. So uh, we'll move on now. And just just one thirty seconds grab for you. Come yeah. on. Yep. Right. Yeah. Did this did this have to happen? Yes. Right. Eh? Absolutely had to happen. Okay. And uh yeah. Well, he was a divisive influence and um, you know, we've got a new broom going through the place now. It had to happen. Thank All you. All right, let's talk about the next thing on our news agenda. Well, the coaching merry-go-round, pretty dizzying stuff as it can be this time of year. We have uh since we last had a news segment, Robert, two Officially, two new coaches appointed, Alistair Clarkson taking the reins at North Melbourne. And, uh, wow, wasn't that greeted with a lot of fanfare uh, last Friday, that was. And uh, with a lot less fanfare, it should be said, Adam Kingsley appointed uh, GWS coach. And then one still going. And that, of course, is Essendon's uh, search. Well, not only for... um, probably half a new board now, but a new coach after the sacking of Ben Rutten. Now, we have talked a lot about Essendon. We do talk a lot about Essendon. It's inescapable at the moment, right, as we do this on Wednesday morning. uh, How do you see the state of play at that troubled football club? Oh, you want to do Essendon first? Just want to congratulate Clark O, like the, the, the veteran, the ageing veteran with four premierships, and well done to Adam Kingsley. Um, and we'll talk about this link to Essendon, Rowan, a 16-year apprenticeship. Yes. 16 years. So That's, think is about... That, is that yeah. as long as any assistant's done as an apprenticeship? I think McRae, I haven't got... It. It's a great question. Um, I uh, think I might be. McRae was... Gee, he did a lot of jobs, McRae. But uh, look... Uh, the Essendon situation, I, I, and I thought long and hard about this because you, um, I I have gone on record that uh, I, I thought, and you've sort of alluded to this uh, yourself, that the Essendon coaching and playing situation are the least of the issues faced at Essendon. Yeah. 
night. I think that's a, a pretty common theme. Um, so at the moment, I'm going to read something because I want to write it down because I didn't want to miss any of the points that I wanted to make. So at the moment, we have a divided board, right? A, a faction on the board that is based on a limp internal review. Yeah. We have a herd faction and we have an anti-herd faction distracting us. There's conflict of personalities in football departments caused by personal agenda. We have no coach and the possibility of a coach selection panel formed by the people that actually did the interview, the internal review that was totally rejected. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't want to listen to me and Rowan, right, with our old grumpy bugger thoughts on Essendon, despite the fact that we uh, have uh, close to 100 years of experience following this football club, you might like to turn your attention to the younger generation and our highly respected captain and Brownlow medalist, Joe Watson, who said they consistently don't know what they're doing. I nearly could end it there, Rowan, and they consistently get it wrong. They are operating in silos. There is no cohesion be between football department and upstairs and the board, and they are all looking outwards instead of inwards. They are a dysfunctional club. Get the right people sitting in the bus in the right seats. So, hey, everybody, let's sack the coach. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's it's you. You put it like that, and it's uh, it's a pretty tangled web, isn't it? And uh, I feel for Dave Barham because he's he's got a lot to sort out. None the least, the coaching position, which we probably should concentrate on today, because that's the most immediate of their tasks. I know, and I do firmly believe it's a lesser issue than the whole club issue, but. It can't Who's tasked be... with that? Whose task is it, though, Rowan? That's the point I'm yeah. making. Yeah, well, Who's... they've they've got to well, they've got to get a committee to appoint them to coach. I don't know where that's at yet. We haven't been told who it is. I think they're still trying to work it out. But it uh, it can't contain people whose futures uh, at the club may be fairly short, if you know what I mean. So uh, that's going to be interesting in itself. Let's just talk philosophically, though, about yes. what should happen with the coach. So. The push for James Hurd continues. Um, there's a story in the age today with Danny Corker and James Hurd's longtime confidant saying uh, Hurd would unite the various Essendon factions, uh, would be popular with supporters. Now, I think we should give a view on this. We'll get yours in a sec. My view is uh, I've always felt you know James Hurd was reasonably hard done by during the saga. I think. As a coach, the jury was out on him as a coach. I think the results were mixed. You know, there was one final series. There was another one that his side qualified for and then wasn't uh, was thrown out of, 2013. Uh, there was another season, 2012, which fell apart uh, in the back half. Um, and there was another one, 2015, which ended up being a disaster. It's pretty hard to assess his record given the constant backdrop of the saga, but you know, it's not a it's not a glowing endorsement of a of a coach's abilities. It's not a shocking record either. I think they played some tough, more defensive orientated football under his watch. 
I think they proved themselves a uh, capable scoring team. So I think that's all in his favour. But, but, and it's a massive but, I just don't think this club can ever throw off the, the dark cloud of that sordid episode if he is associated with the club. And it's going to be, uh, rightly or wrongly, it's going to be a constant sore point. It's going to be a constant needle from opponents and, and um, you know, people sort of trying to get into the club, a constant distraction. Um, there's going to be people who will make it, you know, and I'm speaking about media people here even, they'll make it their uh, life's mission to continue digging up stuff which could come back to a saga which, you know, really had its origins now 10 years ago, but the uh, detrius of it is still hanging around. And I just think if the club is serious about a clean slate and a new broom and effectively remaking a club, it cannot be associated with virtually anyone, let alone a senior coach, who was a central figure in that whole episode. And that's nothing against James Hurd at all, who I like and respect, but I just don't think the club can do that. How do you see it? Wasn't the CAO a central figure in that whole episode? Uh, he was. He was. Okay. Well, that answers one part of your question. Uh, the second part is at one stage Heard was playing Heard's team was playing Hawthorne for top spot. Yep. So there was no doubt he had the capacity to produce a good team. Uh, I'm looking at this the other thing about Danny Corcoran, Danny Corcoran was brought to Essendon by James Heard. He's his confidant, his mentor, his lifetime friend. I have no problem with that. If you are doing that job, how do you allow and, and you are there full time to protect to mentor, to guide, um, how how can you be in that club mm. with those goings on? So, um, and and the last thing for me, it's a personal thing. I like the last part of your uh, your summation. It's not heard the person. It's not the love that he will he and the players will produce. It's not his technical ability to coach this team very well. Um, it's what comes with it. I'd hate to see him go through it. I've been in a pressure cooker, but I can't imagine there would be a more um, focused pressure cooker on, the, on what would face James and his family coming back to Essendon for all those five or six points. My advice is to enjoy life. See your family grow up. Drink wine on the Bellarine Peninsula. Come fishing with me and uh, stay away. Having said that, Adam Uze, uh, let's lose the the McCrays, the Kingsleys, the Uzes, who else is there out there, Rowan, of that type, those um, June Syracuse. How do they walk, and this is where I agree with Corcoran, how do they walk into the existing environment that that is permeates through the corridors of the Essendon Football Club? You cannot have that so he technically he could actually unite that but what what a what a thought for a young developing coach starting off his first role at the Essendon Football Club uh, with the decks full like they are now yep okay well let's now have a quick word on um who should be coach so uh 
Essendon do need a coach. Who should that coach be? Um, I've had a few thoughts about this. My mind's pretty open on it, but um, it's interesting. I was speaking to a few very learned footy people in the last couple of days, and they're very keen on Justin Lepich, uh, former Brisbane coach, fated Richmond assistant coach, now an assistant to Craig McRae at Collingwood. Um, they rate highly his tactical acumen, um, his ability to impart those strategies to players. And interestingly, too, I think a lot of people in football that hadn't worked with him have become a convert to him through his media work, um, calling games and commentating on SEN. And I've got to say, I'm one of them, too, because... Um, special comments, you know, it's one thing to, to have a, the tactical knowledge. It's another thing to be able to impart that to the audience and make it understandable. And you can replace the audience with players. It's just no different to them. And I uh, got the impression with his time in the media, he did that particularly well. Um, I think it wasn't easy when he was at Brisbane. So I think he'd be an interesting consideration. The other one ticking around my head, Robert, and I have had reservations about him in his second stint at coaching, but I think it's a tough club. Uh, it's going to be a tough club that needs to be remade uh, culturally as well as on the field. Um, and on the field, its biggest deficiency has probably been a lack of defensive qualities. I can't help but keep thinking that Ross Lyon would actually be a pretty good fit for this job. So they're two names that have occurred to me in the last couple of days, Lepich and Lyon. What are your thoughts? Absolutely open-minded. The only public uh, thing I, I, I said on Twitter, I, I, no, I want an open-minded process. Now, that won't be led by the CEO of the Essendon Football Club now, so they, they have to have a chairman of the selection process. And then... Look, everyone sounds good in the media, Rowan. You can make yourself sound sensational, but coming into the Essendon Football Club requires a certain set of skills. I'm ruling out a young first-year coach, despite the fact that I just said it's an open process and you may find a McRae. Do you think McRae... See, Collingwood did their review. They made their changes and brought their coach in. Does that, do you understand that? He came in to a clean landscape. Yeah. Can Craig McRae come into Essendon right now and do the same thing well, with, it's, without it's, the support network? No, it's complicated by the timing Correct. of the draft and the trade period, isn't it? Absolutely it is. Um, given, given, and and I would definitely interview Lyon and Lepage, and I would interview Uze, and I would interview, um, but if you're asking my opinion, I, I'm and and please excuse my bias, but a person that knows Essendon backwards and has an extensive apprenticeship, right, and has seen clubs at the bottom and how hard it is and how you have to build your list is Dean Solomon. Yep, uh, uncompromising standards, outstanding with young people, tactically aware, and a great great relationship builder. There's your key. What I would bring with him is Mark Williams from uh, Melbourne, put Mark in charge of football, development, coaching, and people. And I would move the current general manager. We have now four teams. 
the, the administration pressure on the Essendon Football Club to run four teams is immense. And I would so, certainly move Mark Williams into that role and probably just move Josh Marnie slightly sideways to really focus on the administration, what is now a really big club. So I'm a young coach with full support of an experienced premiership experience at Richmond, at Melbourne, and coached his own side, and is a learned person. His strength is teaching and development of young people, and he doesn't stand for any bullshit. So that's that's my Quinella, and you can probably put them in any order you like, Rowan. All right. Okay. Uh, interesting thoughts. And uh, given uh, events at Essendon over the last week or so, uh, it might move quicker than we think the whole thing because uh, things are certainly moving pretty quickly now. Uh, all right. I reckon that's enough on the news front for today. Big day in news. Uh, we talked about it as extensively as is possible when it's breaking under our noses. But we have uh, the seasons of those clubs that didn't make the finals to review. Let's get into that now. On Footyology, wrap around. All right, we're going to work from reverse ladder order. So first team to review their 2022 is uh, Wooden Spooner, unfortunately, for a second season in a row. That is North Melbourne, uh, their record pretty grim. Two wins, 20 losses, a percentage of just 55.8%. However, and it's a pretty considerable but, uh, you're looking for some light at the end of a tunnel. I think probably the the best thing about North Melbourne season happened after it finished, Robert, and that is the appointment of Alistair Clarkson for coach for the next five years. And uh, in fact, it wasn't, it was just before, it was two days before it finished, wasn't it? But um, it's given the whole club a big boost and uh, people pretty upbeat, as I think they should be, because this is a club with some pretty good young talent. We've seen an outstanding season from Luke Davies, Uniac. Not so for Jason Horn francis number one draft pick, but we know how good he can be. Um Paul Curtis, another really promising young player. Uh, Nick Larkey gets better and better as a key forward. Jai Simpkin, one of the youngest leaders in the game. Uh, And right at the death, too, they got Ben Cunnington back to play at least a couple of games. So I think they, for a side with that poor record, they go into next season feeling reasonably upbeat about things. How do you, sir? There's no doubt the Clarkson thing is the key to this, Rowan. Uh, following the appointments of novice and rookie coaches in Shaw and Noble, they have turned to the most experienced and most successful coach in the last 20 years with four premierships. He will bring his own team. He's already spoken to the team. So the impetus that is he has generated at North Melbourne um, certainly makes up his first pay packet for the month. There's no doubt about that. He has made a significant input. His... his his persona and his balance of hard ass coaching and, and passion is going to be the best thing. Like Taron Thomas is in the reserves as we speak. Mm. Yeah, or was. Horn Francis, right? Uh, Clarkson will have any, that's, that's the good and the bad. Clarkson will have an enormous, right, uh, in, in, make an enormous impression of them. You know, uh, talent, Zerhan Larky, bring out the consistent best in them. Uh, Mackay was magnificent. Simkin, excellent. Davies, Uniaki. You mentioned 
Paul Curtis, Bailey Scott, their most improvement. There is a core there. What Clarkson will also do uh, is know how to use Goldstein, Ezebel and Cunnington, and he's mentioned that in today's paper, Rowan. How I'm going to use the Wiley veterans to push these young kids along. It was quite clear to me that if Zebel's in a forward pocket and Goldstein starts in the other forward pocket, then the previous coach didn't have an appreciation or understanding how he could use his veterans uh, to assist the development of his young players. All right, well, we, we often had trouble uh, when David Noble was coached uh, sort of working out what sort of game North Melbourne were attempting to play. We've seen Alistair Clarkson's Hawthorne sides play different styles over the the time he was in charge. What what sort of brand do you think North Melbourne will play? What will be Clarkson's focus, do you think, in a game well, it, sense? It, whatever it is, it will be organised and it will be emphatic and it will be unconditional. This is how we will play. And 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 there will be the Clarkson fear factor. He's not a six foot nine imposing bloke, but he's is an intimidating presence. So why fear and intimidation is not strong, uh, a coach player motivation, that element helps. They will be inverted commas wrong, scared to step out of line. He will bring focused discipline. There will be a harder edge on focus on which has to happen on defence, but at the same time, he will be a very creative coach and let these blokes, like the exciting Thomas, Horn Francis, Zerha, he will also let them play. Within this, within the bubble of, of, of the Clarkson game plan. But you're right though, mate, the problem is, or, or the strength is, he adjusted three or four times for Hawthorne. Yeah. What what does he see as, as North needing, mate? Um, there's a lot of talk about uh, the Roos making a play for Brad Hill, uh, which is, is pretty interesting, isn't it? Be his fourth AFL club after Hawthorne, Fremantle, St Kilda, but uh, would certainly give him a bit more pace around the footy. Uh, I think another interesting one might be Callum Coleman-Jones because they traded him in and has plenty of talent as a key forward, but really showed very little until the, the right at the end of the season. I think they gave um, away pick 19, mate. Yeah, so uh, it can probably bolster the potency of that forward set up a bit. And, uh, you know, I mean, the stats say they were the uh, the worst defensive and offensive team of the year. So um, as you'd probably expect with a side that finished on bottom of the ladder. But um, there's work to be done all over the ground. But we're going to see some cohesion at least, aren't we? And we're going to see... I think people need to remember, too, that Clarkson's first couple of years at Hawthorne were pretty rough in terms of wins and losses. You know, they, they didn't win that many games and they got smashed quite regularly. So I don't think that's going to be the end of that situation necessarily for the Roos, but you're going to have pretty clear evidence of a plan, aren't you? And, and he'll bring in his team. There's always already been vision of Todd Viney entering the... Uh entering the corridors of power at North Melbourne. So uh, onward is an upwards from here, Rowan, Yep, in I, reality. I agree. Uh, watch this space in terms of uh, Clarkson's team that he brings around him. All right, uh, that is the Wooden Spooners for 2022. Let's talk about the team which finished 17th. Finishing 17th in season 2022 was West Coast. Their win-loss tally, 2-20. and 20. Like the Roos, their percentage slightly better, 
point eight. Uh, wow, it was a disaster. It was a disaster even before the season started. They had a catalogue of pre-season injuries and surgeries, and then they got absolutely smashed by COVID. Uh, some games they played early in the season, they had literally half a side. They had to get top-ups from beyond their senior list even. So we need to remember that. Now we're a, a bit of time down the track that uh, just how many difficulties they had going early on. Um, Oscar Allen, for example, didn't play a single game all year. He had Tom Cole on the inactive list. Uh, they made uh, in the, the side they took to play North Melbourne in round two, I think there were a record 14 changes, etc., uh, etc. Et it was just a complete disaster. The thing was they hung in there pretty well, and this worried me a bit, Robert. They hung in there pretty well. And then when the senior players or veteran players started to come back, and there was one notable game, uh, I think it was against, might have been against Sydney uh, or either Sydney or Geelong, and they brought back uh, Kelly, Shuey and Yo in one hit. And all of a sudden their performances went from at least competitive to dismal. And that then became the pattern for most of the year. And anyway, it was a car crash of a season and it could have finished... Uh, quickly enough really time for them to reset uh but that's a big issue also because they need to work out with an aging list just how much uh certain players on this list have left in them we've already seen the retirement of uh josh kennedy of course there'll definitely be others joining him in retirement uh i'm not convinced about the quality of their young guys coming through a lot of work for the uh, list team and the coaching staff to to be done before they start attacking next year, Rob. I think that's a great summary, and 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 it really did level out at one stage. The lowest point they and I and and Adam Simpson mentioned it in a sort of a, a funny way. He said that he missed a game with COVID, Rowan, and they played a player that he never met and only spoken to on the phone. So that's where they got to. So you've got to take that into, into account. Um, the big plus for me was Tom Barras. He's been a, a great contributor because he didn't have, you talk about Lever and you talk about May, his, his relationship and his combination with Jeremy McGovern is as good as anything in the competition. So he didn't have McGovern. We have to say that the losses of injury, Sheed, Yo, Natanui, Oscar Allen, Rioli, uh, McGovern, Cole, Shuey's hamstrings. Um, that happens, but it is quite extraordinary and something that they would have to, you know, look into closely, forensically. Uh, they're ageing players, as you said. Uh, there's a question mark there, but I'm going to follow your theme and say, who are the young players coming through? Um I really like the emergence of number 24, Xavier O'Neill. But I tell you what, if you've got ageing players going out one door, you must have an influx, as we spoke about North Melbourne, of young players ready to take their places and emerge. A lot of work to do for the list management of that club. Well, I mean, who, who are the young players? It's hard to even recall them off the top of your head, really. I mean, they had... Uh... Jai Cully, the, um, he was the mid-season draftee, wasn't he? He played four games and showed a bit before he got suspended. And did he uh, then did his hammy, I think. So I, I think you can give him a tick. Big, strong, raw-bone country boy. Yeah. 
Well, who who I, else who else do you like? I mentioned O'Neill. Yeah. Um. Out of yeah. sight, out of mind, Rowan. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's a bit like that, isn't it? I mean, Bailey Williams uh, was having a crack in the ruck. Um, you know, he he got his share of opportunities. So you know, there's chances for him next year. You'd think. Um, but it, it is it is a, a massive task they had ahead have ahead of them. Uh, most pressing needs, I think, certainly on ball and uh, in the ruck. I mean, Nick Natanui now, what is he, 33, 32, 33? Um, you know, his body's been an issue. Uh, they they wet Scott Wysetko, they wet Tom Hickey go, you know, so that there's not a heap of backup there. And uh, in the middle, uh, it's sort of Luke Shuey or what, Um They've got problems all over the place, and it's it's going to be a massive rebuild for them. A couple of points there. Also, the disappointing uh, return to Perth of Tim Kelly, one of the stories of the of the year. You know, one of the recruits, a, a great recruit by Geelong, and um, uh, West Coast moved ten and earth to get him back. He, he hasn't repaid that debt as yet. Natanui's one's very interesting to me, Ron, because. Um, uh, recently, in, well, in the last 24 hours, Trevor Nisbet, the CEO of West Coast Eagles, had said, do not rule us out of Luke Jackson. We are in the hunt for Luke Jackson. They're, so they're fighting Fremantle uh, to get that young kid in the ruck. But interestingly, he said, who wouldn't want to play with Nick Natanui or words to that effect to team mm. up with him? So um, two wins, 59%, and their lowest and worst performance in their history, Rowan. So there is an upside because you can't go any lower. Yeah. No, it's a, a fair summation, I reckon. All right. Uh, a lot of work ahead of West Coast after their, as Robert said, worst season in AFL company. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the team which finished 16th. Coming in 16th on the ladder was Greater Western Sydney. Their record, six wins, 16 losses, a percentage of 84.6%. Well, uh, it all happened, really. Some pretty poor performances early in the season. And uh, that saw the departure, even before mid-season, of Leon Cameron as coach. Um, which was pretty early in the piece, but uh, they struggled. And uh, a, a massive difference between their best and worst, and, and that was probably the most disturbing thing. They really let heads drop at stages. 16th for points scored, uh, 14th for contested ball, 13th for points against and clearance differentials. And they had some shocking losses too. They got belted by Sydney. That was about 12 goals. Melbourne beat them by... Uh, I think 67 points. Port beat them by nearly 10 goals. So did Geelong, Brisbane. You know, there, there were some really heavy defeats. And I think clubs with that sort of talent um, shouldn't be losing that badly. We saw Mark McVeigh step into the breach as interim coach. Um, he has, as it's transpired, missed out on that job permanently. That, of course, going to longtime assistant Adam Kingsley after 16 years serving various AFL clubs as an assistant coach. So uh, they're not without some prospect. They still have some enormous talent on that list. Um, maybe they'll trade out a bit of it uh, for draft picks, get in some more young players. I don't know. What do they need to do, Robert? 
How often can you do that, Rowan? It, it's a re- it, it has been the MO of that club, forced on them by salary cap, obviously. But um, so what? You lose Brune, Taranto, Bobby Hill, and Jacob Hopper. So around we go again, and we get this flux of um, there's got to be stability. There's got to be stability, not only like it starts with the coaching, obviously. Uh, Leon was forced out or resigned, very defensive, very methodical, up the line, boring. McVeigh comes in the opposite, right? He actually did try and free him up and flare, but he left the door open. Hence, they copped some really uh, the attacking weapons of op- opposition side and high scores again. So hopefully with Kingsley with the experience, and it looks like he's going to keep McVeigh, which is good. Um uh, there'll be a there'll be a balance between the game plan, but look, they've got good young, good young players. They've got a core of very good senior players. I liked Ash. I liked Jason Jacob Weir. I loved Tom Green. I liked Iden. Uh, so, but if you're going to keep like Tanner Brun, Torano, Bobby Hill, and Jacob Hopper should be approaching the prime time of their football career. But if they have to walk out again because of salary cap, I, I'm unsure where this club going because you're getting the likes of Callum Ward at the end of his career. I'll give, um, uh, I want to give Harry Himmelberg a big tick. He was awesome, Ron. Yeah, you know, moved to defence. Yeah, Harry Perryman's a good player. James Peatling's a good player. There's a lot to like about here, but my concern, so the bad for me is, the rotating of young players to other clubs um, and and in comes the, the draft picks. So we start again. The core is there that the new coach will be good, but gee, keep the, 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 the chairs get rotated on the deck too much for me, mate. Yeah, they do. And they've had a, a steady exodus of talent right from the start, which was always going to be a factor. I'll tell you another factor that's sort of specific to them and is a concern. This is off field, but uh, they're crowds. Uh, oh. They played six games this season at Giant Stadium. The average attendance at those was 6,103, which is the lowest average since they came into the competition outside. 2020 of course when people weren't allowed to go to games so that is a big concern because this is a club which has now had 10 seasons in uh league company uh actually 11 and you know it's still not building a significant fan base uh despite having been in a grand final so it can't really afford any more seasons as uncompetitive as this one was and and that is something that you know even a coach unfortunately has to take into account when you're coaching a club that's in non-traditional football territory, you can't just be have tunnel vision on on your players and game styles and that sort of stuff. And this is something I'm sure Adam Kingsley's taken on board. You have to be like the face of the club and there's the concern about getting the club to a viable space in the AFL competition. Now, the league's always going to look after them, but it's a terrible look for there to be a club which no one's barracking for and no one's turning up to watch. An average attendance of 6,000. In this day and age, that's pretty miserable. Don't forget, um, because it's in Sydney, how many 
uh, opposition supporters, say if it was a Melbourne side, travel up, Rowan. So yeah. a percentage of them, whether the 1,000 or 1,500, lowers that. Now, they're rusted on AFL play- people that are in the Sydney region that want to play. Uh, they're not going to win the hearts and minds of rugby league. That's mm. an impossibility because they chose to put this ground or this club in the heartland, the spiritual and traditional heartland of of rugby league. So they they haven't attracted the independents, have they? Mm. they? Haven't done that. Even though they've played in a grand final, they can't attract the fence sitters. Just quickly, did we did did we mention Sam Taylor? Because if oh, we didn't, I'm, that was very retrograde of us not to. No, I'm glad you did because I've got it here. Outstanding and also love the consistency, which we haven't heard a lot about from him, the consistency of uh, focal point in Jesse Hogan, who looks like he's turned his career around. But uh, Sam Taylor, outstanding fullback, his contribution, that's why they can rebound a bit. They've got a fullback and they've got a great centre-half back and they've got a very good full forward. So on face value, they look as though they need a a good centre-half forward run to fix that spine and have it right down the middle with like a Toby Green or a Josh Kelly in the middle. All right, not completely uh, good nah. then for the Giants. Uh, Adam Kingsley coming aboard to take on their fortunes next year. All right, let's talk about uh, number 15 on the ladder. Essendon Football Club uh, in turmoil off the field. Uh, dismal year on the field from finals in 2021. They finished just 15th on the ladder. Seven wins, 15 losses, 83.2% edge. Uh, coach Ben Rutten removed after the last game. New coach still to be appointed, but uh, it was a car crash, and uh, we'll obviously restrict this discussion to on-field, but it was certainly a car crash on the field as well. And I can't remember seeing a side in the first game of the season um, so such a demoralising performance. Uh, that game against Geelong, there was it just looked like almost a VFL side against an AFL side at stages that afternoon, and all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, this side is underprepared. They don't uh, have a game plan that uh, is clearly comprehended uh, and they are absolutely like a sieve defensively and that was probably the the key to the season. They just kept getting scored against too easily, uh, kept conceding coast-to-coast goals, um, zone defence fell apart time after time, they pushed too far up the ground and got caught out the back you name it, defensively, as an error, uh, they committed it. And uh, there was a, a small revival there after uh, the horse had bolted and finals were off the table. They found their bottle and won a few decent wins. A win against Sydney, particularly good. They beat St Kilda when the Saints were were playing decent footy. So uh, some okay performances there, but uh, finished poorly again too. Absolutely thumped in the last couple of games by... Port Adelaide and Richmond. I think there's holes all over their list, Robert. I think they need at least one key forward. I think they need at least two bigger-bodied midfielders who can win some contested footy and are better defensively. I think they need at least one, if not two, key defenders. Where are they going to find them? I don't know, but there's major problems with this club and they were reflected on the field for me. What's your thoughts? Oh, they've got great salary cap scope, and I'm with you. I'd like to see a big 
uh, you know, and they don't grow in trees. And extra, oh, only one, one and one for me, Rowan. Uh, a big, strong forward to complement the emerging Jones and Peter Wright. Another big body like a Will Brody who had the opportunity, uh, I believe, to uh, to to get. And of course, uh, support for an undermanned, if not talented, backline. Uh, their rucks should be okay if if Zaper, Draper can uh, focus on his football and not his social media profile. That's going to be very important. And that's linked to what you just said. I thought it was one of the most poorest prepared football teams, A, from physical preparation and knowing what's coming and also attitude round. I, th- I think they went into the season and and very, very happy with their pre-season. Very having, happy. Having drunk their own bathwater, I think. Oh, is no doubt about that. I picked them to go one spot above. I thought... But what we saw is eight clubs go past them. Seven clubs go past them on the ladder. Um, I'm not as... um, uh, I think the talent is interesting. I'm a bit of a plus for it, but it's got to be developed. It's only emerging. It hasn't found its feet. A couple of pluses uh, worth pointing out. Uh, Peter Wright, good season from him. 53 goals, was a, a career high. Finished fifth in the Coleman medal. Uh, Mason Redmond, terrific oh. in defence. Um, Zach Merritt won plenty of ball. A couple of issues about his game, but uh, maybe you can expand on that. Uh, Dylan Shiel hit the skids early in the year, but uh, did fight back a bit later on. But uh, pluses in playing terms, pretty hard to find. I want to talk to you about Shiel, Merritt and Parrish. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about, um, look, they come away every game with 30-plus rolling. So 100-plus positions are going Essendon's way. Do they Are they goal-kicking mids? No. Do they hurt you going inside 50? Are their inside 50s high? Uh, what are their defensive traits when the opposition win the ball? All, all these are questionable. I thought the best Essendon played was when they introduced Cordwall into the midfield to play on the likes of Took Miller, to play on the likes of Lockie Neal. It gave them a harder, more defensive focus. And uh, I think that's one of the the failings of Ben was his uh, lack of um, not understanding, but a vision to, to play role players. Like when we, when we, when Essendon started playing well, they used Kelly, terrifically well to shut down. He did a great job on the likes of Cameron, but mm. he wasn't used that early. Cordwell went to a run with, and they finally played Guelphy, right, as the balance of that hard, accountable half-forward that can find the ball. Like, it's all right doing it with Snelling. He does it quite, but he doesn't. Uh, Guelphy kicks goals. He'll hurt you going the other way. So when they had those three positions balanced, I thought that was the best they looked. But now, right. now we'll get a, a new coach and uh, uh, the game plan will be reinvented and, and reignited again. Okay, so one question. I want a very short answer. What is the f- single biggest focus uh, the new coach must have? What area most needs to uh, his attention? Transitional defence and player development. All right, very well answered. All right, uh, that was the Bombers coming in at 15th on the ladder. Let's talk about the side which finished 14th. 
14th on the AFL ladder in 2022 was Adelaide with eight wins, 14 losses, 86.7%. Uh, they'd be disappointed. They finished uh, last season with seven wins. Um, they've improved just, uh, but pretty up and down. They had some pretty poor patches during this season. Had some good moments too. Um, how do you see their season, Rock? Well, this is, we're going to be saying this about all these teams. They all had their moments, Rowan. They all teased us with some ability. Um, they're still adjusting their game plan. Sometimes Adelaide can be the most monotonous, boring, round the flanks, long kicking down the line side. And the next minute, um, they're, they're exhilarating through the middle of the ground. I just think it's another year of development for Matthew Nix. They, mate, they weren't too bad. 86%, you know, that's not... That's not horrible. Um, one more win. You and I thought budget would have been two more wins. I'll just go through some players. Laird, awesome. Dawson, one of the great recruits of the year. I thought Keys has developed into a, an elite A-grade midfielder coming from Brisbane. And, and um, Taylor Walker and Fogarty uh, formed a great partnership. So if they can get Gallant and Thilthorpe up and going as a third tall, they've got a potent forward line. Um, they've got to increase their midfield depth. There's no doubt about that. A very heavy reliance on on Rory Laird. So they need two midfielders and they need some outside wing speed, like a la a Brad Hill type, to run and carry and get that ball in in an exciting fashion. Well, Jordan Dawson proved to be a pretty good pickup, didn't he? I mean, probably oh. probably the highlight of their season was provided by him that uh, after the siren win in the showdown against Port Adelaide early in the season, but uh, he was a good source of drive off halfback for them. Um, where do they go with their younger players? They've got some good ones among them. Who, who are the younger players that excite you the most on their list? Oh, the young Ford. He's a good player. Young McAdam. Yeah, he's Shane gonna, McAdam. Yeah, he's going to be a, a, a very good player for them. Um, so he's a standout for me because... And why I focus purely on him, because his combination with Walker and Fogarty gives them a little bit of uh, Brisbane Brisbane sort of like. You've got your two or three key forwards and you've got your smart ones. Remember that uh, they lost, um, lost Cameron to Brisbane. That's now a significant loss. And in recent times, they've also lost... Eddie Betts in recent years. so Which is why they're making a big play to get Isaac Rankin back, and yeah. it looks like that's going to happen. And, and I'm glad you jumped in because that would be the area that I think they should focus on, and that's not saying that in hindsight. That's factual. Uh, you had Walker with 46. You had Fogarty with 30. They need 30 to 40 from a small to medium forward, Rod. Are you convinced with their defence? Yeah, I think it got it. It settled down. Yeah, mm. butts, duty. Um, it actually settled into quite a reasonable combination. It can always do with strengthening, but I think um, I think their midfield and their small forwards are the areas. Um, your Rory Lead's going to be another year older. They've got uh, and remember, Ron, they didn't play Crouch. He he was he was he went back to the uh, Sandful. Yeah. Right. And didn't get recalled. So obviously that's going to be an issue for list management. 
Well, uh, Matthew Nix, how's he faring, do you think? Three wins in that first season, 2020, seven wins last year, eight wins in the third season. Is that quick enough progress for a side in the, after three years of a rebuild? Yes, it is, providing, uh, what was it this year, seven or eight, Rowan? Eight. 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 Uh, he's got to be knocking on the door of 11 next year. And that's using the home ground to advantage, which they should have. Uh, Recruiting, get Rankin into that side and improve. So I'm thinking a budget year for them next year is knocking on the door at around 11 or whatever it is, 11-11. Yep. All right. Uh, Yeah, it's a big year for him. It's a big year for Knicks. Make no mistake about that. All right, that is Adelaide's uh, 2022 summed up. Um, That's it for the moment for our end-of-season review. There's half the also-rans of this year. We will be wrapping up the seasons of teams 13 to 9 on the ladder in our Sunday edition. Make sure you tune in for that one. Uh, Of course, we are proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Uh, get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to Palmavet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. You can support us at the ACAST supporter page, and there should be a link there in the show description wherever you're listening to this podcast, or become an official Footyology patron at one of the many links on footyology.com.au. Uh, Robert, uh, well-reviewed. And uh, look forward to doing it all again with you on Sunday. Thanks, Ron. See you later, everyone.